What happened? Well, we had another explosion. We can't seem to get the right mixture of the gas, but I think we've had the last of our bad luck. We're going to try it again. Up to now, the gas has been too strong and the tank too weak, or else our valve control is bad. Oh, dear, Mr. Swift, do tell them to be careful. A woman's voice chimed in. I'm sure something dreadful will happen. This is about the tenth time something has blown up around here, and... It's only the ninth, Mrs. Baggert interrupted Tom, somewhat indignantly. Well, goodness me, isn't nine almost as bad as ten? There I was, just putting my bread in the oven, went on Mrs. Baggert, the housekeeper, and I was so startled that I dropped it. Now the dough is all over the kitchen floor. I never saw such a mess. I'm sorry, answered the youth, trying not to laugh. We'll see that it doesn't happen again. Yes, that's what you always say, rejoined the motherly-looking woman, who looked after the interest of Mr. Swift's home. Well, I mean it this time, retorted the lad. We say where our mistake was, don't we, Mr. Sharp? I think so, replied the other seriously. Come on back, and we'll see what damage was done, proposed Tom. Maybe we can rig up another container, mix some fresh gas, and make the final experiment this afternoon. Now, do be careful, cautioned Mr. Swift, the aged inventor, once more. I'm afraid you two have set too hard a task for yourselves this time. No, we haven't, Dad, answered his son. You'll see us yet skimming along above the clouds. Oh, <laughs> if you go above the clouds, I shan't be very likely to see you. But go slowly now. Don't blow the place up again. Mr. Swift went into the house, followed by Mrs. Baggert, who was loudly bewailing the fate of her bread. Tom and Mr. Sharp started toward the shop where they had been working. It was one of several buildings built for experimental purposes and patent work by Mr. Swift near his home. It didn't do so very much damage, observed Tom, as he peered in through a window, void of all the panes of glass. We can start right in. Hold on. Wait. Don't try it now, exclaimed Mr. Sharp, who talked in short, snappy sentences, which, however, said all he meant. The fumes of the gas aren't good to breathe. Wait until they have blown away. It won't be long. It's safer. He began to cough, choking from the pungent odor, and Tom felt an unpleasant tickling sensation in his throat. Take a walk around, advised Mr. Sharp. I'll be looking over the blueprints. Let's have them. Tom handed over the roll he had grabbed up when he ran from the shop just before the explosion took place and while his companion spread them out on his knee as he sat on an upturned barrel, the lad walked toward the rear of the large yard. It was enclosed by a high board fence with a locked gate, but Tom, undoing the fastenings, stepped out into a broad green meadow at the rear of his father's property. As he did so, he saw three boys running toward him. Hello, exclaimed our hero. There are Andy Foger, Sam Snedeker, and Pete Bailey. I wonder what they're heading this way for. On the trio came, increasing their pace as they caught sight of Tom. Andy Foger, a red-haired and squint-eyed lad, a sort of town bully with a rich and indulgent father, was the first to reach the young inventor. Uh, how many are killed? panted Andy. Should we go for doctors? asked Sam. Can we see the place? blurted out Pete and he had to sit down on the grass. He was so winded. 
killed. Doctors, repeated Tom, clearly much puzzled. What are you fellows driving at, anyhow? Wasn't there a lot of people killed in the explosion we heard? demanded Andy in eager tones. Not a one, replied Tom. There was an explosion, exclaimed Pete. We heard it, and you can't fool us. And we saw the smoke, added Snedeker. Yes, there was a small explosion, admitted Tom with a smile. But no one was killed or even hurt. We don't have such things happen in our shops. Nobody killed, repeated Andy questioningly, and disappointment was evident in his tones. Nobody hurt, added Sam, his crony, and he, too, showed his chagrin. All our run for nothing, continued Pete, another crony in disgust. What happened? demanded the red-haired lad, as if he had a right to know. We were walking along the lake road, and we heard an awful racket. If the police come out here, you'll have to tell...